Hey guys, you're listening to Nick Talk. I am your host, Nikki James. And uh, today I have a really, really special guest on my show. Um, so special, in fact, that uh, I wanted to give her a special intro. I looked her up online and I, I stole some of her inspirational uh, thoughts and uh, little snippets. So I'm going to share that with you first before I introduce her. And uh, here you go. Take a listen. Success to me is being yourself and living in your purpose, living in your calling. We all have little heartstrings. We have our own song. If we play those strings, it's a unique song to us. When we focus on that, when we focus on what's my part to play, what's my role to play, then I feel like all the material successes, I feel like that comes. Like everything flows when you're in the groove and you're on purpose and you're passionate about what you're doing. It lights other people up. So I feel like success is following your calling, owning who you are, and then creating other leaders. If I'm being the greatest person that I can be, and so are you, and so is the next person and the next person, then I feel like we would actually create a better world. All right. So that is my next guest. This is Jasmine Henderson. Jasmine, how are you? Oh my goodness. Uh, what an intro. <laughs> I am doing very great, you know, uh, especially just with everything going on. I'm feeling super blessed to be here with you. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I loved that that little intro. It was a what was that? That was that was from YouTube. I took that from. Yeah, that was from YouTube. And actually, that was a promo for the TEDx talk that I did. So they just interviewed me uh prior to that and they put it together and yeah. I was just like, yep, that's, that's my heart in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. So, so to be, uh, to be like, to spell it out, um, to do your proper intro that I was going to do, um, you are a, um, you're an inspirational leader. So you, you do motivational speaking. Um, I know that you like to empower people, uh, to be the best and to live their best unique role that, you know, they can. You're a three-time world record holder, a former professional soccer player. You're an author. And then to kick it all off, you're a mom. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. okay I got to say too. Okay. So a little um, thing that I read here, it says uh, that your life experience is what drives you. Um, and you like to support people in living beyond their limits and beyond their labels. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And you also advocate for women empowerment and equality. And I know that you speak around the world and you do coaching here in Los Angeles and uh, you're in the process of a lot of different things. And I want to talk about all of that. But um, I think first where I want to start off is with your soccer. Yes, because honestly, that's truly where this whole whole that's, thing began. <laughs> that's what I thought. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how you got into soccer. Yeah, so it's soccer just it happened in such a unique way and it's it's very interesting because when I was a little girl I was definitely into Barbies and playing with my mom's makeup and everything uh everything of that sort uh honestly everything that my mom didn't understand because <laughs> my mom is actually um an athlete as well and so um but that was me and I have an older brother who's about a year and a half older than me mm -hmm. and so I went through this phase where everything he did, I wanted to do too. So uh, the time came when I was about five years old where he was playing soccer and I was like, I want to do that. 
and my parents kind of looked at me like uh are you sure I mean okay we'll do it (laughs) and uh god bless my dad because he was my first soccer coach and he didn't know anything about the game neither did my mom and but they were like okay we'll put you in there and through all the crying of, uh, you know, you talked about being a perfectionist, recovering perfectionist here. (laughs) And um, I would knock down a cone in a dribbling drill and cry. (laughs) I would, you know, my shin guards would itch me. So I cried. And like I said, I just, my dad had such a fortitude to uh, get through the first two seasons of my soccer career, uh, which, um, you know, who knew it would have blossomed into this, but that those were my humble, very humble beginnings. Yeah. So what made you want to go farther? Because, you know, for kids, sometimes they're like, oh, they like it for a few years. And most kids are like, okay, I'm done when, you know, whatever, whenever they reach a point, what, what made you want to keep going? Well, it was really cool because I definitely have that unique background in that, like I said, like my whole family played sports. So like I have a background where like my grandfather is a hall of famer at his college. And my mom, like I said, she played semi-professional softball in Germany when she was 16 years old. So um, definitely came from a really strong athletic background. My parents met in a bowling league and I'm not talking about the like, hey, drinks with your pals bowling league. Like serious bowlers (laughs) like my dad is my dad is bowled a perfect game and my mom held the highest one before that um missing only like a few pins shy so very competitive family um and so I I grew up playing a lot of sports but like I said uh, uh, as a recovering perfectionist like soccer was the one sport where I could get out of my head Mm. and you know, there was no playbook. There was no nothing like literally you just get on the field and you just create. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved all the physicality that came with it. So um, like I said, cause I, I did even in uh, throughout, you know, growing up and even into high school, you know, I, I played, uh, you know, uh, varsity volleyball and ran varsity track as well. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I honestly, and if it had a ball, I just played it. But soccer was the one place where I actually found a home and I actually found a place to express myself. So um, that's just really what what drew me. And then, of course, you know, as you find that passion, uh, was very blessed to actually get get connected to playing with competitive clubs to develop myself further um, and at a greater, higher level. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how it came about. Cause, um, any other sport, uh, I was really good at, and I had a- other opportunities to, um, you know, potentially even go further onto different yeah. travel teams and stuff. But, um, that call of soccer was really that freedom of creativity. Right. So when you were playing in high school and you're playing in varsity, um, the transition from that into, did you play in college? Yeah, I did. I did. I played, which, uh, it's so funny because I kind of like gloss over that because I hated it. (laughs) I was wondering. Um, uh, It's so funny because it's like, I did, I played division one, uh, college, which looking back on, you know, I definitely would have made my decisions differently. Um, just as far as, 
where I decided to go again, because I have that, you know, perfectionist achievement personality. I was like, oh. I should be playing at the best school, the champion school, school and everything, you know? So, <laughs> uh, I literally applied to one college and I was like, if I get in, I'll go to college. If I don't, I'll just go and play professionally. And my parents totally supported either decision, <laughs> but I did get accepted. <laughs> and, <laughs> and again, I, it's not that I don't like college. I actually did very well scholastically speaking, yeah. um, but the whole soccer and mm -hmm. sports, and unfortunately it's not just exclusive to my sport. Um, I, I've spoken to actually many athletes actually that have had a terrible collegiate experience. Mm -hmm. And really it was just down to the coaches and, um, and, and how they would run it. So again, yeah. I don't downplay it, but it's just like, you know, had I Not had like it to do killer. all over again. Yeah. 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 It just, it would have been different, but yeah. So that, that was basically my transition. I had an experience when I was 17, um, where I got the opportunity to play overseas for the first time. Okay. And so I went to this huge, uh, they, they were selecting players, um, from all over the States, um, all over the United States to put together a team to go play in this big youth tournament in Sweden and I we could either choose Sweden or, or Australian and of Ken Sweden was the biggest youth tournament so I was like that's where I gotta be <laughs> you see the pattern going oh, here yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I um but uh but yeah so um but it was and and I just remember sitting there in my country section like that's how big this was and there was just country after country it was like a mini Olympics and mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, that's where I really saw the power of soccer and mm -hmm. its ability to unify yeah. people of different cultures, different backgrounds, uh, different languages and experiences. And so I was like, this is what I want to do, yeah. you know, for the rest of my life. So I was like, so of course it has to be professionally. Cause again, that's my personality, right, right. <laughs> but that's uh, that's where that was born. So I, or not born, but I, I feel really cultivated um, especially having only maybe a few years before that, uh, you know, watch the 99ers uh, and that huge Olympic victory with Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy and Brandi Chastain and um, all these super powerful women that were playing professionally. So that's just what really solidified that vision. Yeah. So it, at 17, were you already thinking like, okay, I see myself doing bigger things. I want to like, were you, is that what you were saying? Like you're trying to set yourself up. Cause you, I mean, did you have a dream of doing all these big pro? Well, I will say this professional soccer. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, nice. Everything else that we're going to be talking about. Right. No. Um, okay. And that, that actually, that inspiration. And like I said, we'll talk about it later, but um, that inspiration actually came after becoming a mom. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, before that, my, my soul sites were just professional soccer. I even remember in 10th grade, we had to do, uh, I went to a college prep school. So we had to do a research paper on what we were going to be, which is kind of crazy when you ask a, a 15, 16 year old yes. what they want to do for the rest of their life, but um, induce research on it. But they wouldn't, even then I wanted to choose professional soccer player and they wouldn't let me do it on that. Wow. So that just kind of goes to speak as well as, um, you know, just the, the disparaging gap between female 
females and, and young girls and professional sports and it mm-hmm. being a viable avenue. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure when they, when that happens, it kind of tends to put a little damper on your hopes a little bit sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. And I was just, and I, I mean, I was so just, uh, <laughs> definitely, um, very confident in who I was <laughs> at the time where I was like, that's fine. If you don't want me to do a research report on it, that's cool. Like I'm still going to do it. But then I was like, well, crap, what am I going to do with my research right. report? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was cool. Cause it, 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 I will say this, um, even though, like I said, whether that decision to allow me to do that research report on that or not was, um, you know, the greatest thing in the world or not, I will say it did um, allow me to see myself as something other than an athlete. Right. And so I will say that that at least did give me a base of what would I do besides being an athlete or playing? What would I do? So um, that was great to get those juices flowing because now that I look back, I, that's actually the first time I've recognized that. So thank you because um, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it because everything that kind of came on the back end, a lot of it was birthed out of that. Um, someone telling you no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone telling me no and me thinking like, oh, okay, let me think of something else. Yeah. So yeah, so it was cool. Very good. I was going to tell you, yeah, I just wanted to say just you knowing who you wanted to be at that age is really inspirational too, because I think a lot of us do, but when we have dreams that uh, grownups think are too yeah, far out there, sometimes we don't voice it because we're afraid of the ridicule. So yeah. that's really cool too. All right. So tell me the story about when you went into professional soccer. Okay. So essentially, like I said, so I catch this vision in Sweden and I'm like, okay, professional soccer, this is what I'm going to do. I apply to the one college (laughs) that plays out. I actually still to this day do not have a degree in college, (laughs) which I think is hilarious. I literally have like one year left and I just can't be bothered, Um, (laughs) but it's okay. Um, But yeah, I played a few years um, in college. Like I said, did not have a great experience with it. Um, so then I was just kind of out and I, I came back home to LA cause I was, um, not out of state, but I was just out of town, uh, going to school and, um, I came back and I was just like, okay, like, I'm just gonna reset myself because a lot of women, unfortunately, who played collegiately as well for a lot of them, they actually stepped away and, and stepped away for good, uh, mm-hmm. for soccer, which was really sad. Um, but, um, but yeah, I started actually playing with um, and practicing with a, a men's team, a semi-pro men's team here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm not in touch with him anymore, but I'm very grateful for his, uh, I don't know if you know Vinny Jones, but he's always plays the, the goon characters on like Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels and okay. nice. all that kind of stuff. But he had a men's team that was practicing here in L.A., that I got connected to through, um, another women's team. And I was just like, all right, cool. I'll just, I'll just train. And they were just like, what are you doing here? 
They're like, why aren't you playing professionally? Like this doesn't make any sense. And so I literally just uh, declared, I said, okay, by this time next year, I'm going to be in another country. I knew I wanted to play in another country just Mm -hmm. because of the style of soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, I think that's also why I didn't enjoy my collegiate experience. So I was like, cool, that's what I'll do. And then literally a few weeks later, I got an email from a friend of mine because uh, growing up too, I uh, started playing pickup with men. Uh, yeah. uh, that's kind of, that's, I think, not uh, too estranged to, I think, most women okay. uh, who come up in sports where they grow up playing with the boys or yep. they grow up playing with the guys. So um, the beauty about living in LA is that there's, the culture is so diverse. So I would find myself playing with Japanese guys or uh uh, Chilean guys or Brazilian right. guys just from all over. So he had reached out to me and he was like, Hey, I remember you saying that you wanted to play. Uh, there's an opportunity potentially for you to come play professionally in Brazil. Do you want to come and try out? And yeah. now I will pause to say this because anybody who knows soccer at all, Brazil is like the epitome of soccer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. I was like, oh, darn, that sounds terrible to go to Brazil and uh, and try out and just see what happens. So um, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have, you know, any of those traditional ways of or means to go play professionally. So a lot of the students that I speak to, whether they're um, in high school or college, I just really like to emphasize the importance of just declaring and deciding Mm -hmm. because that's even how I played in division one soccer. Um, What do you mean by declare and decide? Yeah. By declare and decide, like I, even if I, like, I didn't have the how, right. But I I didn't have how I was going to get there. I didn't have a plan, which is uh, as a perfectionist, you know, is kind of like off the cuff, you know, to not have a plan, but I did have something, one thing that was in my control and that was my decision. So my decision that I'm going to play professionally and it was a clear goal and it also had um, a timeframe, a boundary around it, right? So I declared by this time, which at the time it was fall, um, by this time next year, I will be in another country playing professional soccer. Right. And so as... Um, as big as that seems, it, w- it was still specific enough um, to where I had given myself a timeline. It wasn't just someday I'll play professional soccer. Um, that was great. Maybe when I was younger, you know, so a lot of those moments where, you know, in high school, everybody's going out bowling or to the movies ha- you know, or to parties and I'm at home on the treadmill, right. <laughs> you know, like Not working it. Yeah. Working towards your goal. Yeah. Working towards my goal. So it's like, that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but when it came to crunch time, uh, and I had to declare it and also too, it wasn't just something that I said to myself. It was something that I had also let my family know, like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I get it too. For some people, family is not a safe space. Mm-hmm. And 
I'll pause there just to say, you know, when you're declaring something, it is important on who you're declaring to. (laughs) Um, Because if you're declaring to somebody that you know is not going to be supportive, who's not, and that, again, that could go either way. That could either um, fuel you (laughs) Mm -hmm. or derail you. Right. So it's very important. But once you decide, honestly, that's like such the, like, that's the hardest part. Right is just deciding and committing to that decision, even when that feeling's gone. So how did you get there? Was that, you know, did you have to get sponsors to go over? Like, honestly, it was, it was the crazy. So he, he was, my friend was the one who was in Brazil who had the connection Uh and he was just like, if you can just get a plane ticket out here, we'll figure it out. Yay. Okay. So I literally, I, that was when the call to grandma happened. (laughs) Good old grandma. No, good old grandma. And I was like, grandma's everywhere. Yes. Shout out. Um, and so I was just like, I was like, Hey, I have this really good opportunity. And of course, um, just because my van, my family's very supportive. I mean, she already knew what I was about. Everybody already knew what I was about. So this wasn't really surprising. And especially with my particular personality, (laughs) Um, you know, dropping everything. And uh, because literally I got that email and three weeks later I was in Brazil. Wow. Good for you. So I packed my bags for a month Mm -hmm. because I didn't, you know, there was no guarantee that I was going to get a contract or anything like that. Um, And then I ended up trying out for two teams, two different teams down there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I actually had my choice. uh, So, which was great, but, um, but yeah, but honestly, it just, it took that first, it took the decision, but then I also had to follow it up with the action, right. Of when that opportunity came, I could have said, oh, well, I'm not ready or, oh my gosh, Brazil. I, cause I didn't know the language. Mm -hmm. I didn't know Portuguese. Um, I had one teammate that spoke English. That was oh, it. Wow. Uh, so, you that know, puts I, it in perspective too, doesn't it? When you think about that, like you didn't just go to another country, you went to another country that didn't even speak your language. Yeah. Wow. Did not speak the language. Um, and uh, so, you know, it was totally different. So again, yes, we have to declare and decide, but then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do have to um, take those action steps to back up that decision if you want to actually get what you said you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, be careful what you declare. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So first of all, what team did you pick? I know. Right. So (laughs) of course, you know, me, I chose the team that was the champions (laughs) last year. (laughs) (laughs) Like your parents had a great hand in making you a champion. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, and again, the funniest thing is like, I can't necessarily like pinpoint like when I decided that like I had to be the best and be with the best. Mm -hmm. But I will say that, like you said, with my parents, though, and even with my grandparents, there is definitely always this um, seed of like and this idea of like whatever your hand finds to do, do it to your best of your abilities. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of that was always drummed into me. So I always wanted to do my best, not for the applause and, and I think that that's where I think a lot of people today kind of get stuck a little bit, especially mm-hmm. with social media and all the things, you know, that can be traps for that, especially mm-hmm. achiever personalities like myself, uh-huh. um, the trap can be for the applause. Yeah. 
um, but to really just do the best because it was honoring who I was created to be. Right. And so, um, so I did choose that team. Um, I was in uh, a Sculpey, which, uh, it's, it's hard to say, (laughs) (laughs) um, but they're, they're in Brasilia. Is that a different league? Like is what league is that? I know there's so many different leagues. There are. So the cool thing and, or what's different about Brazil as well is that, um, so, uh, each, uh, you know, each state in Brazil has their own league and then, whoever wins that, you know, goes to the big show, right? Goes uh-huh. to the overall. So um, for me, I played in Brasilia, which is the capital mm-hmm. of Brazil. So, um, so I played in Brasilia and, um, and yeah, that was just, that was my experience. So, um, so yeah, so I ended up playing in Brazil and Brasilia and uh, which was different. I, before that I did um, already have an experience with Brazil. I had gone to Rio uh, to be kind of more or less like a chaperone. Cause, um, I've actually throughout my career, I've had two ACL tears. Mm. And so that was, uh, during my second one. So I was just going more for like a chaperone thing, but it was one of those things where it's like, I, I grew up in soccer with the club that I was playing with, with a coach that actually taught the Brazilian style of soccer. Um, it's very creative, very free flowing, which makes sense and why I didn't fit into the collegiate side. Okay. <laughs> but by the time I got there though, um, to Brazil, I mean, it literally felt like heaven because I was like, we're I was like, home. we're not speaking the same language, but we're speaking the same soccer. Language. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was just like, it was just so cool and, um, definitely a different experience. Um, there's, there's, uh, again, other drawbacks for obviously the professional side and getting paid side Yeah. Um, that, again, drove me to advocate for what and what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's funny. I, You know, you actually covered one of the things I was going to ask you about, which was the differences in soccer um, from Brazil to the U.S. and how it was different. But clearly it's so different that that would be a whole nother episode. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, and, and, and honestly, like, that's kind of like the great debate, I think right now, especially for, uh, women's soccer, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously the last world cup just happened in 2019, yep. which was like the biggest one that we've ever had. Yeah. And, and it was the best soccer that we've ever had. So yeah, that just gave me goosebumps too, because like, it's, it's one thing and and I know we'll get into it as, as we talk, but it's one thing to ask for equality, but at the same time, I know just as, as a woman, what I also would love to see is us taking that responsibility for the quality. Yeah. So that way we can like legitimately ask for what we're asking for, because as a business, it has to make sense. That's right. So yes, there's a lot of things that stem down from that as far as, um, and that's a lot of what I help fight for as well is, is literally the accessibility of Mm -hmm. sport. Um, it's, it, it's kind of hit and miss because even, even just, if I take just Los Angeles in and of itself, there are still pockets of LA where, you know, sports are, uh, girls do not have that access to sports, sports facilities, sports, sports equipment, um, good coaching, 
there's still that even here in the US, even in Los Angeles, right? But mm. it's like that around the world. So uh, when it came to the World Cup, it was just so exciting because you could see all the investment mm. that had happened across the across countries, like across the world, the investment that was put into women's sport, you could tell paid off. Moving forward, I wanted to talk a little bit about your motivational speaking, um, because I know, you know, soccer was what kind of formed you and you learned all these lessons from that. And I know there might be, you know, a gap in between there on how you learned how to do it. Um, but before we get started, I wanted to let you know, I listened to one of your uh, YouTube videos and it was the one where you're actually doing, it's the whole motivational speech. Um, and do you remember what that was called? I think it was staying in balance. Oh, for the TEDx. Yeah. For TEDx. Yes. Yeah. Staying in balance. Yeah. So, okay. Before we get talking about how you came into all of this and how you feel about all that, let me just play you my little favorite clip. It, oh, it's, awesome. It's very short. It's very short, but this is my favorite saying that you said. I listened to the whole thing like twice. That morning during that grueling climb, I chose. And on the last ascent up to the crater, a question came to mind. How many times has somebody told me I can't? And a deeper question began to rise within me as I asked myself, how many times have I told myself that I can't? I mean, that is... I still get goosebumps. I cannot <laughs> believe you said that. I was listening and I'm like, where is she? Yeah, I get it. And I'm following along with your story because you're such a good storyteller, by the way. You're oh, very, you. very good. And... Um, then when you said that, I was like, you know what? That is so true. How many people are, they are the, re they are the reason yeah. that they're not making it. They are the thing that's holding them back. All right. So now let's get started into motivational speaking. How did you get started? When was the first time? All these questions all in one. Tell me the story. <laughs> I know the, the other story. So um, similar. Okay. So similar, like I said, that research report was kind of everything now that I look back on it, just because it allowed me to, like I said, look at myself besides being an athlete. So as I'm, you know, pursuing all these high achievements in athletics at the same time, um, you know, we had opportunities uh, as kids to be involved in these different kind of like speech meets and different kind of um, extracurricular activity, you know, whatever, like the math Olympics and stuff like that. Right. So yeah. I, I end up, you know, going to a speech meet. This is in um, elementary school. And, uh, you know, I, I had picked, I had chosen a piece because you could choose a piece and then you had to recite it. And then you got basically like ribbons are graded based on your performance. And so I remember doing that and my, my teacher, even speaking then she was like, wow. She was like, I can just, I can see you up there doing this. And so much so that the next year I was like, well, let me challenge myself and let me, let me actually just write one myself yeah, and perform it. Right. Or, and give it. Yeah. And so that was really kind of like the, the birth of, oh, wow. Like, I think I'm good at this. Um, you know, or I think that this, I connect in a, yeah. in a way. And so again, just like everything else, um, cause I, uh, was even president of my class in sixth grade, 
president of my class in 10th grade. And so I had a lot of experiences being on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best, the best thing was, you know, I, I would still get butterflies and even, you know, you know how it is too. Like um, you can still get nervous or um, get butterflies, but the coolest thing is, but when I walk on stage, it just all goes away. Yeah. And, and I think for me, and, and I know sometimes for people that, that calling to be in that position, sometimes they, it's like a, a literal fight with themselves. <laughs> like, huh. like there's throw up that happens, you yeah. know, or there's like, you know, oh my gosh, I crashed and burned so many times. Yeah. Um, and, um, and again, it, it doesn't matter how you get there. I think for me, it was finally listening to and, and responding to that idea that, wow, um, this is actually a place where I belong. And so yeah. uh, obviously though, playing soccer, all of that took to the back burner. Right. <laughs> so um, I will say this is like for anybody out there who, you know, is maybe focusing on, on one thing. I, I always kept soccer at the forefront of my priority, mm-hmm. but I will say something that was cool, but I always was that I allowed myself to still have some back burner things. Like I still, um, you know, I I've kept a journal since I was 16 years old, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I would write and I would, I, I'm, I don't intend on pursuing singing as a career, but <laughs> I, I, I do, I, I sing and I, and I act and I do all these different things, but you know, it's just things that I keep in the back that I still really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And if the opportunity presents itself, then, you know, I allow myself to access that. But, um, but I think that was the cool thing that I did was I still allowed myself, even though soccer and sports were always the main focus, I allowed myself to still kind of be in that space. So um, I come back from Brazil and uh, again, I'm just like collegiate soccer, uh, except now I'm really devastated because that was like the ultimate dream was yeah. professional soccer. And I come back, honestly, just kind of broken and devastated because the contract that I had signed, I didn't know because, again, I didn't speak the language. And my friend uh, who was there, there were just a lot of circumstances that happened. I didn't realize that I had literally actually signed a contract for zero dollars. Oh, wow. And so the money that they were paying me, um, it was never quite the, the money that we had agreed upon. But when I went to go call in my contract, I found that out mm. that technically they didn't have to pay me anything. Right. And so I, there I was stuck in Brazil and I was just like, um, I, I remember reaching out to other friends uh, of mine who I knew were playing in, in other countries mm-hmm. and, and to find like just that disheartening fact that they had the exact same experiences that they were playing professionally and still having to have a full-time job. Oh, wow. And that they, you know, and that it's just, and I was like, wow. And it was just yeah. like, that dream was just shattered. And I remember coming back home and I was just like, soccer, like we're breaking up. Like, <laughs> I can't talk to you right yeah. now. I don't, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it was one of those things. Um, but I really was kind of like a bit lost as far mm-hmm. as like, what am I to do now? So um, fast forward to then uh, I had been back for maybe about six months. It was my birthday. And I had this long history with my brother of being a fan of the WWE. 
And so we go, we go to watch our first live match at the Staples Center Mm -hmm. and we're all excited and I've got my signs and we're starting chants and I see the divas wrestle and I was just like, I could do that. (laughs) <laughs> like I could totally do that. And um, cause again, I was also training Krav Maga again, there's a lot of different we things that have been happening during this time. So yeah. I reached out to a friend of mine who's a professional MMA fighter. And I was just like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like, I think I'm gonna do this. He gets me in touch. Long story short, here I am, you know, with a plane ticket hotel, everything booked for me to go fly out to Florida to try out to be a diva. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. So I'm training. I'm in the best shape of my life. Right. Um, way different than how I look now. Not that I'm totally out of shape. I'm just in a different shape. Right. Um, but I mean, you look at the divas, that's a different shape. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing this and, um, and, uh, long story short, uh, two weeks before I was supposed to fly out is when I found out I was pregnant with my son. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like total, like, just, um, stopped me right in my tracks and, um, you know, throughout the process to, uh, when he, uh, my son's, uh, father and I had already been broken up. And, uh, after I told him, you know, he didn't want anything to do with it. So, um, my first book actually was about this story. Um, because I was actually a virgin (laughs) before I was, uh, together with, um, my son's father. And, uh, so it was my first sexually active relationship. And so, uh, what I talk about in the book is basically going from like a virgin to telling him and becoming a single mom in like four months. Oh, wow. And so, um, so I'm, you know, no longer pursuing the WWE because I'm like, okay, like I can't be like body slamming a potential kid in there. Um, yeah. Trying out. Uh, so it just put me on this totally different path. But um, like I said, everything, this was the transition point though, in, yeah. in such a great way. Um, and it's what started me speaking to answer your question, because um, I just found myself being like, how did I get here? Right. And, and not because a lot of people I feel like use, how do I say it? Use sex as the excuse or mm-hmm. use sex as like, that's, oh, that was it. Like, that's what was wrong. When really for me, it was what was underneath those decisions mm-hmm. and um, the brokenness that I didn't know that I had mm-hmm. for that, <laughs> mm-hmm. that led to those um, decisions. So it wasn't like, that incident was just more or less like the straw that broke the camel's back of unworthiness, um, which is a huge topic that I love to talk about just because I struggled with it. Like if you would have looked at my life, you're thinking, oh, professional soccer player. She's about to be a WWE diva. Like, you know, surely she's confident. She has a huge, you know, self-worth, but in this particular department with the friends that I chose with the men that I chose to date, um, it just didn't reflect uh, the same, uh, confidence, the same sense of worthiness. Right. So, yeah. So that's what really started me speaking. Cause I, I wrote a book and I, I started, um, giving these sex education presentations as like a part-time job. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and, and again, like I said, so that put me back in front of people <laughs> right. and just, again, doing what I do best, which is at first, which is just sharing my story. Yeah. <laughs> Sharing my, you know, sharing a presentation. And then again, that's where I was like, oh, I totally forgot about this gift. 
Right. You know, I love that so much about you too, because your message is, is really, um, you know, if I had to sum it up from an outsider's perspective, and I don't know if this is what you would say it is, but, um, after, you know, looking at everything, it's really about taking the things that people could consider negative and turning it into a positive, turning it into a learning experience and kind of using it as a building block for something greater. And I think that's a really good message. Um, your book, uh, the one that you've already published is called a broken vow. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. And um, what does that focus on? Is that yes. the- Yeah, that's the focus. So a broken vow, because like I said, I had vowed, excuse me, for me personally, that was my decision was to, um, my vow was to not have sex until I was married. Okay. And so, um, you know, I talk about, you know, I didn't, it wasn't even a thought when I was in high school, like people struggle with that in high school. Uh, for me, I was 25. And I was just for my personal beliefs, I was like, God, you forgot about me, bro. So I was like, I don't, uh, I'm not dating anybody. (laughs) Nobody's even close. And again, the perfectionist, the controller in me, I was like, this is not on my timeline. Okay. Like 25, like I should be on my way to marriage right now. (laughs) And what's so funny is like, (laughs) I look back on that right now (laughs) and I'm like, what the crap was I thinking? I'm like 25 on the, but you know, but the thing is again, but it's all about perspective, right? Because like my, my mom got married young. So did, so did my grandparents, you know? And like, and so that those were my examples. So I'm, I'm looking around and I'm thinking like, yeah, like I should or I I should at least be on the track of like dating somebody seriously (laughs) right now, you know? Um, So that book is just really a a talk about um, what is your relationship with sex, whether you're choosing to be sexually active or not, right. You know, choosing from a place of power, choosing from a place of love and not Mm -hmm. fear, Um, whatever your decision is. And again, I think because I have a background of, uh, you know, a Christian belief, mm-hmm. um, that was just a conversation, especially for young adults that I felt was not being addressed, was not being had, um, and different, uh, like there was different experiences, right? Like some people embraced me and loved me. And some people were like, this is what you get. Right. Um, and we're very condescending, very judgmental. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing in there, which is my favorite chapter in there is talking about that sense of worth, which is what we're talking about right now is, um, you know, and I, I, that chapter is called finding my pearls. And mm-hmm. it's just this idea that, you know, for so long, I had allowed other people to tell me how much I was worth. Yeah. And I was just like, and, and so, like I said, a lot of people, can villainize sex and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's really an inside thing, (laughs) you know, wherever, wherever you're deciding from is really an inside thing. And so it's just, um, a place of power to take back my pearls and to not allow anybody else tell me how much I'm worth ever again. Right. You know, that's something I love about you. I love that you have so many different, um, things that, have happened. You have, you have so many different life experiences. And I love that on every single avenue of these struggles that you've gone through, you know, you have an outlet to help teach others. As far as the book is concerned, you are working on a second one, I hear. Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> is it going to be like a spinoff of the first one or is it completely different? Completely different. So okay. um, yeah, so this, this next book uh, right now, 
uh, at least the, the head title, the working title is she will rise. Mm-hmm. And really what happened is, um, like I said, so I'm in this speaking game. I'm trying to figure out all this stuff. Um, like I said, that pivotal point of having my son, uh, I like to call him my loving interruption. Um, because he lovingly interrupted me on the path that I was on and was like, Hmm, I don't think this is it. So, uh, and I like to say, I went from being uh, career focused to being purpose driven. Right. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, cause I was like, my legacy is here. Like there's the, Mm -hmm. there's no dress rehearsal. There's no like, Ooh, someday, you know, (laughs) no, like, he's on the way. So Mm -hmm. I was like, so what do I want my legacy to be? What is my purpose? Mm -hmm. And like you said, I've, I've done a lot of, I had done already a lot of different things up into that point. Um, and, and two, simply by just declaring it. So at that point, I really was like, all right, Jasmine, like you've proven to yourself that you can literally do anything. So what is it that you're purposed to do? Yeah. Which is a way tougher question, um, than just, well, I can do that. Yeah. You may be able to do that, but is that what you're meant to do? You Mm. know, um, I think a lot of us, we kind of get those confused as, as far as like, I have the ability to, so I should Mm -hmm. instead of, well, but what were you meant to, you know, like I said, in the, in the thing that you introed me with is like, what is actually tugging on your heartstrings? Because that's the song that needs to play. Right. That's the one. So that was a whole different journey. So for this book, um, like I said, uh, I knew about uh, when I was setting off to set that first world record, um, you know, which climbing Kilimanjaro, which is crazy. I want to talk about that too. So yeah. Okay. That, uh, that totally ties in with this book, um, okay. She Will Rise, because um, that first world record, I already knew because I had had experience before in writing a book. I knew that the journey that we were about to embark on, mm-hmm. oh, it, it was going to be a book, <laughs> a wow. book in, in and of itself. I didn't know what shape that would take. I didn't know what story, like you said, like what uh, tools that there would be to teach or um, what stories of overcoming would need to be told. But um, I already knew that. And so this book has definitely been a few years in the making, um, just as it's found as it's found its way through those different stories, the different tools um, and and also deciding uh, last year uh, it became blatantly apparent last year. And um, uh, I shouldn't say last year because we're in 2021 Uh, in 2019, I should say uh, during the Women's World Cup, like it came blatantly apparent that like this was going to need to be a series. Yeah. So this is um, the first book. And so it's just uh, been a process of breaking it up, but essentially she will rise. The whole idea is especially for achievers like myself, who all the motivational speakers that are out there that are like, I was here and now I'm here and you can do it too. take these steps would frustrate the crap out of me. (laughs) Because I'd be like, I'm doing everything within my power. I feel like, why am I not there yet? Yeah. And I would just feel so frustrated and so discouraged, to be honest. Yeah. And um, so this uh, idea, She Will Rise, is is really holding that space Mm. 
that and and really being in the trenches with people because a lot of and I get it like it's not fun to talk about the mess it's not fun to be in the mess with somebody else as a society we're not comfortable with that and so she will rise as like hey I will sit in the mess I'll share my mess with you but I'm also going to encourage you that you can take one more step Mm. and you may not make it, your transformation may not allow you to make it to the top in a day. Right. Or maybe not even a month from now. Sometimes for my personal journey, it took years for me to find her again. And unrealistic expectations kind of out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like I said, Um, like you said, anything, I I feel like that is kind of my thing, anything that I struggle with and I don't see anybody addressing it and I've come through on the other side, I'm just like, all right, cool. Like I want to help somebody else, some other poor soul that I know, because I know I'm not the only one Yeah, that's like having those conversations in my head or having those particular challenges or struggles. Mm -hmm. So um, but that's, that's where that came from because, um, and I'll just share one story, uh, really quickly is I was maybe two days from flying out to Tanzania and, um, a girlfriend of mine, like we had been meeting, um, in this women's group, uh, you know, weekly. And so this was the last one before the summer. And so we're all there and, uh, you know, typical, you know, kind of like Beverly Hills set up where, you know, there's the jacuzzi and we're barbecuing all this healthy food, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just to set the scene, you know, but all of us, you know, and we're all looking and smelling great. And, um, <laughs> And, you know, we're going around the table sharing, you know, uh, who we are, what we do, all that kind of stuff. And so, of course, as women, right, we're sharing all the highlight reels about who we are, what we do, uh, all that stuff. And by the time it got to me, like I shared the highlight reel and the fact that I was about to, you know, be on my way on a plane to go set a world record and do this incredible, amazing thing. Um. But for whatever reason, I just felt led to share what had really been going on that past year. Yeah. Which um, was the hardest financial year of my entire life. Um, Many moments of just tears and struggle and just trying to figure figure it out, trying to figure it out. And um, so much that, you know, I had like tears in my eyes and I was just very vulnerable in that moment. And by the time I had the courage to look up and around me, you know, they were crying too. Oh, wow. And it was almost as if this dam had just been released as in like, oh, thank God somebody else is having challenges too, (laughs) you know, like, or, oh, thank God, like she's still doing amazing things. Right. Even though. and still working through challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that in your motivational, you know, um, speech that I watched on YouTube about, you know, how you have to go through those hurdles. And I think the word, I think the phrase you use is you had to die to live. Yes. Yeah. I really liked that. And I feel like that you did, you must've done a great job of explaining that at that little get together. I know. Well, <laughs> well that's the thing is like, you know, and, and I think that's the beauty, like for anybody who's listening, like that's the beauty when you share, Yeah. when you share 
it's so powerful because, and when you really share like from a vulnerable state, which, which for me, my track record, I was not very good at. So I could stand on a stage and share everything, Mm -hmm. but talking even just one-on-one with somebody was the scariest thing to me because I was like, well, what if they see my mess? Like, what if, you know, what, you know, don't let them get too close. Cause they might see that it's not all perfect. Right. You know, that, um, I do get angry. I do feel lonely. I do feel sad. Like all these different emotions that I felt like almost guilty for having yeah. too. Um, because I just felt like I shouldn't be feeling that I should, you know, so, but that idea though, of, of dying to live and, death isn't fun. Right. Like, you know, when we think about death, like there's a grieving process, there's, you know, a whole thing that's gone, which Mm -hmm. I really think a lot of people are dealing with right now in this moment where they're having to die to their expectations. 2020 wasn't what we thought it was going to be. I guess what 2021 is going to have different, (laughs) different challenges as well. But the cool thing is, is so will the rest of our life. That's right. You have to be, I always say, I always think of it like you have to be okay with changing because that's the only thing that is a hundred percent guaranteed is change. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you know? that's, that's the only thing that you know that is going to happen <laughs> is that things are not going to always be like this forever, whether that's good or bad, exactly. uh, whether it's working or not working, you know, so you gotta learn how to roll with punches roll with it. Stay. Uh, honestly, last year, my, my whole thing was stay nimble. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. Be ready for it. Stay nimble. <laughs> like that was, and, and it's still rolling into 21. That's still what, what's going on now, you know, yeah. but uh, I think again, taking that, that challenge or that pain and, and, and actually turning it into something great. I think a lot of us who, who took that a lot of things that we can learn from last year, was that art or was that, you know, yeah. that mindset of, Hey, I, I got to stay nimble. Yeah. So, um, what's next for you? Great question. Yeah. So, yeah. So the book, so the book is, is rolling out and underway. And, uh, like I said, it's going to be a series. So, um, like I said, there's other world records that we set, but also there's other issues, um, and really great education for women that I feel, uh, that's out there to discuss that's not being talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why She Will Rise will be a series. Um, but for what's next right now is um, something that was also uh, birthed in that idea of staying nimble mm-hmm. um, is again, something that I found in the space. I was like, man, I just wish that I could have something that was empower- empowering or inspiring, like something that, um, that was just to music that I could just listen to. Mm-hmm. And I would go on YouTube, you know, and they have all these motivational speeches, like put to this epic, you know, film music and all that kind you of stuff. You have one. What do you say? I said, you have one. I just played it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so I have a little bit of that, but I was just like, man, like, what would it be like to just like have something to just play while you're working out or play yeah. while you're in the car, all that stuff. So um, now what's next is actually, and we, we finished actually all the recording studio of it. Um, but it's, uh, called the wild anthology. Ooh. And so it's written to completely original music 
And it's this, with this idea of what does wild actually mean? And, um, and how, how that can really benefit you to being who you are. And so I wrote it and, uh, I was just super, super excited, super pumped. And then uh, a girlfriend of mine who she, she was one of the co-directors and producers of, um, the documentary film, the documentary film Mm -hmm. for equal playing field. She was like, this needs to be animated. I'll direct it. And I'm going to sell it for you. And I was like, I was like, holy smokes. I was like, so that's way bigger uh, than what I had planned. Um, And so, so that project is underway and we've already got, you know, director, DP, location, all that kind of stuff, um, getting the animator on board. So, um, so the wild anthology uh, will be, will be coming out sometime this year. That's the, that's the plan. Um, And then really just, like I said, I, I, I have my own podcast that I'm, that I'm turning my attention back to, but really it's just um, again called she will rise. Mm-hmm. And um, talking about exactly the the themes of what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. um, but that's mainly what I'm focusing on. I have my uh, boys that I coach right now, mm-hmm. and uh, which that's a whole. I think that's a whole topic in and of itself of being uh-huh. a head coach to a group of 15, 16 year old boys. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, where do you but, head, what do you uh, where where do you head coach? Yeah, it's uh with the Spartan Wolves right now. Wolves, okay. Yeah, in uh, Inglewood. Inglewood is it um high school? Yeah, so well, it's a club. It's a oh, club it's soccer a club. team. Okay. Yeah, it's a club. Um, and the the team just happens to be U seventeen boys right now. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Okay, so really quick, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I did want to hear your story of Kilimanjaro. Can you give me a quick one on that? I know it's. I love it. I know. I'll give you a quick. Oh, the quickest of the quick. Yeah. Okay. So the quickest of uh, stories about Kilimanjaro is just what an epic adventure, and that's exactly how I looked at it Uh, when I heard about the opportunity I was just like this is so me and uh, everybody else thought I was crazy which is me <laughs> um and consequently the coolest thing was I, I it almost felt like a crazy woman camp for us because it's all the quote-unquote crazy women who believe in changing the world and actually are changing the world mm-hmm. um that decided to do this so um it really felt like a crazy awesome powerful soccer camp um where uh laura youngston and um aaron blankenship they had this idea of hey let's climb mount kilimanjaro play 90 minutes in the crater and set a world record because that is no matter what gender you are, like accomplishing that speaks volumes. So the, the beautiful fact that we had 30 women from 20 plus different countries climb this mountain and play at almost 19,000 feet of elevation, a full, a full 90 minute FIFA regulated soccer game with female referees with legitimate size goals, the chalk was, was flower, you know, because it was, because it was, you know, Kilimanjaro is, is a natural resource that you have to, you know, Mm -hmm. don't want to damage anything. Yeah. Um, was just absolutely epic. And everything about 
the that parallel of climbing a mountain mm-hmm. and all the mountains that each and every single one of us have climbed personally, culturally, mm-hmm. um, you know, in our lives was really just captured in that first world record of let's climb a mountain together and to see something that we could accomplish as women unified under one goal was so beautiful and power and electric. Wow. And I know there's so much meaning behind everything. Like I could just imagine like just the personal pride that you felt after that. And, um, I just want to say for the record, I'm proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Honestly, it's like, like, like that Jersey is the Jersey I'm most proud of. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Congratulations. So I know that's one of three world records that you broke. What are the other two? Yeah. So we literally had no idea. We weren't like, oh, hey, let's go set, set a bunch of world records. But after this, we actually had, um, two uh, players that were from Jordan, they received a call from the Prince of Jordan to invite us to Jordan to set the lowest altitude record at the Dead Sea. Wow. So you set the highest and the lowest. Yep. So we set the highest and the lowest. And, um, and again, like women from all over the world, this was even more now though, because we're not secluded on a mountain. We we were trekking the spine of Jordan in the desert And we did four soccer clinics, reached just hundreds, hundreds of girls who had literally never played before, um, allowing them culturally to feel comfortable and accepted as, you know, other uh, women in our, in our camp, you know, they also were playing with hijabs, you know, who were also covered, you know, with our, our wrists and our knees and ankles, like, you know, because, um, it, the what I love about equal playing field is it wasn't just like hey, let's come tell you, you know we have the best ways to do things right or we know what you guys need inequality. Right. It was also the fact of like hey, what do you want? Right. For How sure. can we make this s- sustainable for you? So you yeah. did the highest and the lowest, and then what was this third one? So the third one was actually during the Women's World Cup in France in uh, in Lyon, and we did uh, the biggest five aside game ever. So that one was the first world record that we actually broke. Okay, so for people that aren't really familiar with soccer lingo, right? Five aside means five people versus five people. So in a typical regular soccer game, it's 11 versus 11, Mm -hmm. or if you hear 11 V 11, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) or 11 aside, Uh that's what that means. So this one, uh, was the biggest five aside game. Very nice. Um, and currently, uh, who's your favorite soccer team? Oh gosh, that's rough. (laughs) I know on the spot on the spot. But oh my gosh, because I've totally just been in my own cave. I've not even been watching much soccer. But I will say this. Okay, I will give a shout out to um, LAFC because they are doing huge things in this community. LA Galaxy has been incredible as well. But LAFC, um, they've just created such a great atmosphere. I took my son to a couple games uh, back when they were playing. And and it was just such a positive atmosphere. And um, uh, even just the way that they include people, um, love LAFC. And actually there is a professional women's soccer team that is actually coming to LA as well. So, oh, wow. um, 
which I know is backed by, I think like Serena Williams and Natalie Portman and um, all these really incredible, amazing heavy hitter women that are just like, yeah, we need a team. <laughs> we need a Bring team here. Attention, yeah. Yes, because I will say about LAFC too. Uh, Mia Hamm became part owner of that and became the first woman to be part owner of an MLS team. Oh wow! Uh, MLS is just the men's soccer league. Again, mm-hmm. for those who aren't familiar with the soccer lingo. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So I would say, like right now, that's been a really exciting time, yeah. um, especially in Los Angeles, to have all these different. Um, uh, at advancements in the sport here. Yeah. And what different times it is too, you know, with, um, (laughs) with COVID and, and, you know, playing, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be so many different changes to that, but um, yeah, I think it's super exciting. Um, I wanted to give you, I wanted to, uh, to give you just like a chance, like if you had like one overall message to send out, you know, like, what would you say your overall message is like, what's the bottom line? To share. Yeah. The bottom line for me is for everyone within the sound of my voice to know that you were created for greatness and you are totally worthy uh, to play your unique role. The role that you have, nobody else can fill it. And as a team player myself, we need you on the team. Yeah. And it means that your position is not going to look like my position and you're not going to play like how I play. So play your unique role and do what only you can do because that's how this world is going to get changed. Right. Well, that's amazing. I was listening to, uh, to some of your other speaking bits and you say something that I always used to say, which is, um, uh, your God-given gift. I used to ask people, yes. you know, like, what, what do you think is your God-given gift? And I love right. you. I love that you say that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and cause I was going to go there. I was going to say, uh-huh. God doesn't make junk. Okay. Like <laughs> it doesn't make, he doesn't make junk. So it's like you, like I said, it's, and like I said, you have the ability to do many things, right. but just as you said, what is your God-given gift? Because Um, that's something that's unique to you. And even if it has, even if it's similar Mm -hmm. uh, to a field that somebody else is in, they're not you. Exactly. They're not you. I love, I love your message and uh, it was a real pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for coming on with me. Thank you so much, Nikki. This has been so much fun. (laughs) Um, Okay. So finally, I want to ask how can people get a hold of you? Or, or follow you. Yeah, people can follow me on Instagram right now under Jasmine Empowers. That's J A S M I N E E M P O W E R S. So there are two E's. So put two E's. And I, I always have to spell Jasmine out because I'm like, there's no Z's, there's right. no Y's, no drop in the E's. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, so Jasmine Empowers on Instagram. Um, and uh, same thing with even for email, just jasmineempowers at gmail.com. Uh, in case you know, you're interested in collaborations or even for speaking or anything like that. No, that's wonderful. Um, and then right before I go, um, 
I have to give a shout out to my sponsor, SoCal Jet Skis. Um, they're in Oxnard, California. So um, Jasmine, if you ever want to go jet skiing or anything, they rent them out. They do, they do yes. um, elect, like electric boats and everything. So it's really fun. If you are interested in that, go to SoCalJetSkis.com and they will hook you up. Um, other than that, I usually end with an uh, outro, but today, because I'm so moved by my guest. Uh, I'm not going to do my Nick talk outro. I'm going to end on Jasmine. You're real. So uh, feel free to listen in before we head out, but this will be the end. Jasmine. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for my friend, Jasmine. Henderson. Hello. Hey, Jasmine, why did you want to be a part of something like this? Well, when I first heard about Equal Playing Field Initiative, I mean, it was it started by being action-driven. Laura Youngson, who's one of the co-founders, she wanted to do something about women equality, and why not do it with soccer? And when I heard it with Kilimanjaro, that's totally what I'm aligned with. You don't even have to have the experience or the foresight or any evidence that you are going to make it. Your only responsibility is your own mindset. Either you can or you can't. I do not want this to be a men versus women issue. Um, I want it to be something that celebrates our differences um, and really just highlights female athletes, you know, young and old, uh, from the grassroots level to the elite. Now, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, the idea of leaving a legacy really came to the forefront of my mind because I, I literally see my legacy before me every single day. After having my son, I was like, okay, what really is my purpose? and how can I be the best woman possible? Quick as you can, yes, there it is. Chudela is all about just developing the next generation of girls soccer players. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes, that's it. Yep. And not only participate, but really become the best soccer player on and off the field that they can be. Top of the show. This is Jasmine Henderson. The Unsung Icons. What I hope to inspire in the, into girls is, again, it's more just about changing the game and that starts from the inside out. Yeah. You can touch people that I cannot touch. Yeah. You can impact people. You can create things that I cannot create. Yeah. So it's like even on a bigger picture, just trust your game. Trust your game as a woman. Trust your game as a man. And hey, like even putting all those other labels aside. Exactly. <laughs> just trust who you are.